Yeah. Right. <laughs> the hook. It's the hook. It's the hook, dude. It's the Trojan horse. Like, I think that this is like, this could be big. I really do. It is. Will be big. Welcome to the Insurance Dudes, a podcast for insurance agency owners, helping us to think of different ways to optimize our business and our lives. This week, part two of Tyler Jack Harris. We talk about accountability, family life, and why social media. You're going to love part two of this series. I feel like I'm sandbagging there's, there's, all the questions. There's just, <laughs> well, it, there, there, there's just so much to this story, and it's so, it's so powerful. And I'd like to really understand the psychology of that first year because when people, you know, you get to this thing where, where you tipped, you said, fuck this, I can't do it anymore, right? Yeah. I, I have to make the change. And you made that commitment. But often what happens is, you know, you start, you don't, you start off, you, you, you're all passionate about it, excited, and then the results don't come immediately. Yeah. And that's where there's such a significant drop off. And it, when we hire totally. people, you get them in, they're all fired up, train them. And then, you know, they didn't sell 20,000 in the first week. So they, they bounce or they're like, yeah. right. So how did you overcome that? And what, how did you get to that mindset? Yeah. So there's a couple of things there. First, I'll say there's something very different, interesting, and something I love about the scenario when it has to work. <laughs> like I was like, I had, there was no contingency plan. Like I had no safety net. I had to borrow the money to get started in the business. Um, and my wife was not excited about me going into a commission only business, given my <laughs> stellar track record, uh, the time that I had been with her and sales job to sales job. Um, she's like, there's no salary. I mean, so you're not gonna make any, uh, but <laughs> so when it has to work, so I love, I love contracting agents that it has to work uh, when I can tell that, you know, that they've, they've made that transition. They're on that upward trajectory. Um, or if they've like moved, they have to move to a new territory. I love when people have to move. Like if you're mute, moving across the country, moving to another state, like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to make it work. And so I think that, that for me was, was special in that, you know, there was no, there was no other option, but to do whatever was necessary. You know, you'll, people always find time and find the ability to do stuff that's important to them. And that's why I challenge people a lot. Like, you know, you'll, you'll have agents that say, I want to make 250 grand this year. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, what do you mean? I don't, I'm like, <laughs> look, look at what you're doing. Like, look at your numbers. You, you could care less about making 250. I don't even know that you're really that concerned about making 150. Mm-hmm. Like there's a big difference between, you know, this ambition and motivation and like, you know, goals that we say that we have, but, you know, ultimately our activity level is what, you know, proves it. And, and I push people on that because um, it's the only measurement that we have especially when you have agents in different parts of the country, that the only thing we can look at is the numbers and the numbers don't lie. Um, they are a great indicator of your actual motivation and your, your actual intention. So that's, you know, that's certainly big. Um, you know, I think with, with bringing on new agents and that issue of them coming on board and being gung ho and super motivated and then just fizzling out, I think it comes down to the system that you have and you got, you have to do everything in your power to get a check in their hand as quickly as possible. 
you gotta do everything you can, like whatever that means you know, for your business, like you've got to get, cause that's the only way you build the ultimate belief. Like the only way they're going to truly buy in is when they went out, they put some effort in and they got a result and they got a check. Um, that's when things start to click. And so for me, it was the, it was the perfect scenario, especially based on how fast paced and, and transactional our business is. you know, for someone that w- that's confident, confidence had been beaten down for so long to all of a sudden get into the scenario where I put an effort, I get a reward, put an effort, get a reward, put an effort, get a reward. It was like my confidence just kept you know going through the roof and I felt unstoppable. I literally felt unstoppable. And, and that's an addictive uh, thing for me. You know, I've became very addictive or very addicted to this process of, man, I, I did way more work this week and I got way more results. I wonder if I did even more work next week. If it like, is there a, diminishing return at some point where like I put in this many hours and it's really not going to make that di- that much of a difference anymore. Is there somewhere where this stops? Is there some type of saturation at some point and just could never find it. Uh, so to me, that's super important is making sure that people uh, build that belief by getting paid, getting a check as quickly as possible. And a lot of times, you know, the reason why that's so difficult is because of the lack of willingness, the lack of desire and the lack of, effort that the leader and manager is willing to put into that person. We, we forget how difficult it was when we first started. And, you know, if you can go out in the field with that person and make those calls for them and with them, if you can go do those first appointments for them and with them, where maybe you sold that first policy, but they're getting the commission, but it was a process that you guys went through together in order to build that person's belief, knowing that they'll be able to go then and do that themselves uh, later on, then that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of effort. And, you know, usually when people get to a leadership position, they're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I don't need to go out in the field. You know, why, why would I go out and do that? Well, because that's what's necessary uh, to create a big organization that's doing a lot of volume. And so just like anything else, you know, it's, the the things that ultimately pay off are the things that are difficult and the things that take a lot of effort. And that's just the unfortunate reality. <laughs> no, that's, life. that that's awesome. Is that what they did with you when you, when you first came on, they just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they made, um, so, you know, my mentor, one of my best friends, he, he made, we made our first day of calls and he would call, I would call, he would call, I would call, he would call, I would call. And then the first time I closed somebody on the phone, he said, all right, we're done. I, you know, I'm, I'm never calling for you again. And then I made calls the rest of the day. And then when I went on my first, you know, appointments, he went with me and he would do one. I would do one. He would do one. I would do one. Uh, and he would be there while I was doing it. So we were able to kind of, you know, have a, um, a debriefing afterwards of, you know, what I could have said better, or the areas that I could have improved on or different things that he picked up on and did one day of that. And that was really all I needed. It put some commission in my, my bank account and was able to repay the person that loaned me the money to get started. And it was off to the races. So, yeah. And it's something that we've uh, over the last six months have really gone back into fully within our organization. It's difficult because we've got agents spread out all over the country, but now that same person that did that for me now flies out to their location, to their territory and goes through that exact same process in the beginning with them. And we're seeing in, incredibly greater results uh, because of it. It just builds that belief. Like they worst thing that can happen is they jump on the phone the first day and get beat up. Then that right. phone weighs a million pounds the next day. 
So if you can have and some success, help, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you feel like our big thing with our business is, you know, we, we don't, we want people to be in business for themselves, but not by themselves. And we want them to know that, you know, the support that they have is real and it's tangible and, and that we're willing to invest in them. The majority, the problem with the insurance industry is it's just a big churn and burn factory of let's hire quickly, see who hangs around for six months, and then we'll start investing in them a little bit. Uh, I've been blown, blown away by the lack of training and support that the majority of agencies give their agents. Uh, like literally just like allowing them to, you know, use the carriers for support and training. Like, I don't know here, you know, go to, go to the wall that has all the different carriers, you know, folders and, and information on it and give them a call and learn how to sell the products, which is crazy in hopes that if they hang around three to six months, then we'll start doing a little bit of training, um, which, you know, they've done for so long and I guess it's been successful, you know, but it's certainly not the way that we want to go about um, doing our business. So we invest heavily on the front end, but the, reason we're able to do that is because we've refined our recruiting process to where we've got it down to a science. So we know that the person that we bring on has a high probability of success so that we're willing to put that investment into them. I love it. I love how, how detailed you guys are. And I, and I think that that's goes to show like the level of effort that people are willing to put in. Yeah. A lot of people will, uh, you know, they, 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 with their agency, they just, they just kind of go and don't have a plan and don't try to refine it. And yeah. And at the end of the year, it's like, I, I, I hope I can sell those life policies, but yeah. I mean, you got, you got to have a plan And and the key to that, that the majority of people are missing is you got to get clarity. Like people don't need more motivation. They need clarity on what they actually want, like what success looks like for them, what their goals actually are. And, and then you can build a plan and reverse engineer that to figure out, okay, how many calls is it going to take for me to set that many appointments, to sell that many policies, to make that much commission, to buy whatever I want to buy or do whatever I want to do. But unless you get crystal clear on what that end game is, how are you going to, how are you going to build a map when you don't even know the destination? Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't work uh, like that. So you just have people that, are just kind of floating through life and, you know, going to work and doing something and hoping that that something ends up, you know, accumulating into something bigger at the end of the year. And it's just kind of year after year after year. And then you look up and you're like, crap, what have I been doing in the last right. decade, last decade? Um, so clarity, clarity is big. And uh, another thing that we really focus on with our agents and, on is, you know, the thriving in all areas of life. So, you know, I, I coach our agents, uh, the ones that participate, it's not mandatory, but the ones that participate, I coach them in this process we call life goals, which we split their lives into four areas. Business is one, but mind, body, and relationships are the other three. We set three goals in each of those areas and they're 90 day goals. And then I do a monthly call with them on zoom where I hold them accountable. So we sit down and I say, Hey, so how was your date night Friday? And they're like, Oh, well, you know, this past Friday, it didn't happen. I'm like, okay, well on this sheet here, it says mandatory date night every Friday. So, you know, why didn't it happen? Well, we couldn't, you know, our babysitter was sick. Cool. 
I, I mean, I get that. Uh, let's get on care.com and find you a, a second or third babysitter. That way you don't run into that issue. Like you got like an arsenal of people you can call and let's, you know, right now plan something pretty cool for this Friday because, you know, you missed one. So now you need to have like a you know, special one and just hold people accountable. That's the biggest thing I think people are lacking after clarity is accountability. Yeah. Uh, accountability from their you know, manager, leader, but accountability in all the different areas of life. Like I've, I've made such a commitment in my life to putting either systems or people in place to hold me accountable to all the different things that I want. Uh, and that I want, and that I'm, that I'm, you know, working towards because without it, I just don't believe a human being can hold themselves accountable if they're trying to do great things. Like, I just don't believe it's possible. There may be someone that's like, I'm insanely disciplined and I'm the best. That's great. But the, I just don't think the average person has the ability to hold themselves accountable to those things. At, at the end of the day, you're, you will, you know, get lazy. You will figure out an excuse that becomes believable and you won't do the things that you know you're supposed to do. And so to have, you know, the, the smallest bit of accountability, like this year I started working out with a trainer for the sole purpose of, I hated working out in the mornings, always have hated working out in the mornings, but realized, you know, I have a daughter now. I need to spend time in, in the evenings with her and not at the gym. So the only way I could fit the gym in is in the morning. Hate doing it. Can't stand it. But the fact that there's somebody there looking at their watch going, man, it's six o'clock. Where the heck's Tyler? Just that alone gets me out of bed and there, because I don't want to, you know, let him down. And, um, and now, and I still hate it. Like I still, I'm still not a huge fan of, you know, versus working on the evening, but I do it. And, uh, and I think that that's to me, the key to reaching that kind of that unlock for that next level is every area of your life trying to find accountability. And it's crazy. So, you know, we've got 47 agents that I coach through this process, we've got like 60, 70 that don't participate. The 47 that did over the last eight months have produced 26.7% more volume. Wow. Which in our world is like $51,000 more a year that they'll make. And the craziest thing about that is of those four areas, business is the least of which we talk about the very least, like almost an afterthought because I always leave it. I always have it at the end. And we've always talked so much about our relationships and the mind and business and um, your body that it's like, Oh crap. Um, so how are we on that goal uh, for what you're going to do this week? Uh, okay, cool. Got to go. Got to get on the next one. Um, but like who would have thought that when you're, you know, in great shape and your relationships are in check and your mind's in a good place that of course production increased production is a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's been very, it's been, it's been a very um, rewarding process seeing the results and just the conversations that I now have with these agents. Like I know, everything about them. Like some of the stuff they're talking about, I'm like, man, I don't even know all this. Like that's <laughs> little, that's a little like we like crazy stuff. But like my relationship with them now is so deep and they, and they like, I mean, they, you know, they trust you, but they believe 100% that you've got their back, that you care. Um, and I just know that the legacy that I leave behind and the impact that I ultimately want to make in the world it's done through people, not results like 8,000 policies in three and a half years. It's awesome, but I won't be remembered for that. You know, I'll be remembered because of the people uh, that I made an impact on the people that I poured into and the people that I made feel important 
And, uh, and so that to me, relationships is, is everything. The consistency and discipline. I mean, it, it's, it, yeah. it changes everything. Yeah. It, it's amazing. I, I had th- this morning, the alarm went off at five fifteen, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I do not want to go to orange theory this morning. I'm tired. I don't want to. And I started thinking it through. I was coming up with the excuses and I said, if I don't go there, I'm going to have the shittiest day ever. And, and I ended yeah. up going, I was three minutes late, but man, I, I know that it has to be done because the second you let it slip, right? The second you, you give in to your bullshit, it's, it just do, 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 do that slippery slope. Absolutely. I, um, there's a guy that lives here in town who, uh, we've done a lot of stuff with here. His name's Tom Shea. And, uh, he's got a book called unbreakable. He was a 23 year Navy seal, incredible human being. His story, this book unbreakable is just, it'll blows your mind. The stuff that he went through as a Navy seal, but he talks about excuses and that they are subtle, seductive, and believable. Mm. So they just, you know, they creep in and it's just very subtly, just this idea of, well, you know, I worked out pretty hard yesterday. I'm kind of sore, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to work out tomorrow for sure. It just kind of starts creeping in and then it becomes seductive. You're like, man, it feels really good in this bed. Like, man, so like, comfy. It, would, it would be, it would feel so good not to do this. Like I, I could get some extra rest. I need some sleep. I went to bed late, but that second that it becomes believable, you're done. It's, it's over. And uh, so it's, you know, a lot of that is your self-awareness and being able to be aware when those things are creeping in and not letting it get to that seductive and certainly not letting it get to where it becomes believable. And, and I've, it's been powerful in my life. Like I I can think back to certain times where a lot of it is with like diet and, and workout related is always the easiest to, you know, realize or remember or to use as an analogy, but like different times where, you know, I'm leaving a meeting, it's super late at night and I crushed it that day in business. And, you know, think to myself like, man, I've, I've done so good today. I deserve to eat some fast food on the way to my hotel. Like, you know, I've, I've eaten good all week. You know, this is, this like starts creeping in. Like now what's, what's one, you know, combo at Wendy's going to really, going to really do. And I'm like, man, I haven't had a spicy chicken sandwich in like a year. That would be amazing. And then you just like, this gets seductive and you're like, man, like I feel like I've seen four Wendy's. <laughs> the last 10 minutes. And then the second that you believe it, the second you're like, you know what? I think it's, I deserve like this idea. Like I deserve, I've, I've worked so hard and I deserve to be able to eat, you know, something that I'm going to enjoy and being able to be aware of that in that moment and be like, crap, it's happening again. Like, I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't give in. And you know, obviously you're not going to do the right thing every time, but if you can just, you know, be aware enough to have a few of those times where you choose the right thing. It's amazing that the impact that it makes um, compounded over time. How, how, I mean, you've been busy. You have been busy. Um, Lost you. Oh, there we go. There we Cut go. Out. Still can't hear you. Where was I? <laughs> uh, you uh, said you've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've been busy. Um, there's so many things I wanted to ask you, but, but honestly, like now that we're talking about relationships and all this stuff, so you're, you're doing so much stuff. Um, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. Um, 
I know that that came into play at some point and it's like, you're spending so much time doing all this other stuff. Um, how did you fit, you know, your wife, your kid and everything into the kind of the same model that you have created on the uh, business side? It's, it's a constant evolution. I think it's pretty fluid. And I think everybody goes through seasons in life where you got to do what you got to do. Um, for me, you know, obviously in the beginning when I didn't have, you know, there was no contingency plan. Like I had to make this work, you know, I was broke and, and yeah, that was, it, it is what it is. I got to go, I got to go do this and I got to make it happen and I'm going to be gone a lot. And that just is what it is. Luckily my wife is extremely independent. She's extremely strong. She's worked since she was like 13 years old, 12 years old. Um, she was very busy with her job as well. We didn't have a kid when I first started. Um, so it wasn't, certainly wasn't ideal. I mean, over 200 nights in a hotel for three straight years, I think it was 238 nights the last, that third year. Um, certainly not ideal, but like anything, it becomes normal. <laughs> I would leave like very late Sunday night or really early Monday morning. The only reason for that is my territory. And cause this isn't normal within our business. I'm only one of like two or three people that was this way. Uh, when I came on board, there wasn't a territory available where we lived. So the nearest territory was in Georgia and we could either move to Georgia or stay and I travel. And we just absolutely love where we live. We live in Greenville, South Carolina. It's just one of the greatest cities of all time. And just didn't, wasn't willing to move. So it was self-induced like completely, which makes, which made it also a little bit easier. Um, so I would leave late Sunday night, early Monday morning, get on the road to Georgia. And I would always come back usually Thursday uh, morning or um, sometimes Wednesday night, but usually Thursday morning, afternoon. And we would have our weekend and then I would leave Sunday night or Monday morning. And it just became routine. I remember people like at church and stuff used to joke and say that we were going to, you know, have the longest marriage of anyone because the collective amount of time that we were together was so much less than <laughs> everybody else. However, you know, I've, I've always, and there's, you know, certainly seasons where you're better at this than others, but I've, always been very cognizant of and, and, and been very purposeful in trying to be all in when I'm at home, all in when I'm at work, you know, this idea of being all in in all areas. I think the problem in our society is we have a 90% of people that are kind of halfway in everywhere. And you can't really be off if you haven't truly been all the way on. And so when I talk about those spurts, those like bursts of activity, so I'd leave Sunday night and I would work, you know, I, I'm out of town. Like, what am I going to do if I'm not working? I'm by myself. Like anything that I could do not working was either going to get me in trouble or was going to involve like eating stuff I wasn't supposed to eat or like doing stuff I wasn't supposed to doing. So I just worked like literally 20 hours, 16, 18, 20 plus hours that's all I did was work. But when I came home, it gave me the ability because I was all the way, all the way on for those three or four days, it gave me the ability to be completely off when I was with my wife because I wasn't thinking about all the things I didn't do. I wasn't thinking about the things I needed to catch up on the next week. I could be at peace. You know, I can truly rest. 
uh, and be fully present at home. And so, you know, I had friends that they would say stuff to me like, you know, you know, you have a wife and especially when, you know, when I had my daughter, you, you know, you've got a wife and daughter, like you can't be traveling like that. And I would, you know, always challenge them and say, man, I know your life. I know my life. And I promise you 200 nights in a hotel. I promise you I spent more quality time with my wife last year than you did. And you were home every night. Mm. And so to me, it's all in how you're using that time. And, you know, things just become, you know, normal. They become routine. Uh, certainly things got more difficult with my daughter for sure. And, you know, not so much when she was a baby, because I mean, let's be honest, like eat, sleep, poop. That's, you know, <laughs> it's not, there weren't memories there that like she was missing out on. So it was a little bit easier for me to leave Sunday night or Monday morning um, than it is now when she's two and a half and she's, you know, just full of personalities an actual human being now. Um, and so it's, you know, it's that, that certainly played a role too, but you know, it gets more difficult and priorities change. And, you know, I just knew that I had this period of time, this window of time where, especially when I had my daughter, like those first two years that I could set myself up by putting in so much effort and so much work into a couple of years that would set our lives up to be able to live, you know, a very different lifestyle, um, forever moving forward. And that's, and so that's what I did, but you know, I think it's, it's all about your priorities. It's all about, uh, again, being all in, in all areas. There's a big difference between being present and being available. Um, you know, my daughter, even at two and a half, if I'm on my phone, like I've started to notice, like she'll like lean her head in, like in between my head and my phone, and so this idea of like listening with your eyes, like I'm the best multitasker in the, like as far as doing stuff on social media and ha- engaging in a full conversation, my business partners drives them crazy, but like they understand now that I'm listening to everything and I'll respond when needed, but I'm like posting something or commenting on something. Um, you know, so being cognizant of that now with my daughter and my wife, and, and that's probably the biggest struggle for me is, is putting down the phone because so much of my life is on my phone uh, with social media and all the stuff that we're doing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a constant process. It's certainly fluid. I don't think anyone should or really even could, but I don't think anyone should give other people advice on what work-life balance means for them uh, because it's so specific to our scenarios, our situations, our family structures and, and all the things that we have going on. Uh, I think for me, I'm just a little bit tired and frustrated of this idea of work-life balance always being used as a crutch while you need to work less. Like you don't really ever hear, you don't really ever hear work-life balance being discussed in regards to needing to be at home less. Like, you know, I crushed it as a father last quarter. I really need to work more this quarter. Like that never (laughs) happens. It's always used as like, man, I really need to leave work, you know, an hour early every day or, or something like that. Um, And so I just think that the truly, truly successful, like the extraordinarily successful will balance through addition, not subtraction. Like if you need to be at home more, be at home more. It may mean, you know, you need to sleep less or do less extracurricular activities, but it certainly doesn't mean you need to work less. Uh, I think we have so much time if we were to truly audit that we're wasting throughout a day that we can find an hour, two hours, probably three or four if we're honest with ourselves 
that we can reposition uh, into more income producing activities to where we can be at home whenever we need to be. You know, the most successful people I know are are home at three o'clock, home at four o'clock, take their kids to school. Uh, And it was not an accident that that happened, but it's because they placed a priority on that. And for me last year, it was the first time I ever hired a coach and you never really even considered that dynamic before, but it was really a breakthrough for me and my priorities because, you know, all the stuff I'm doing online, all the social media stuff, you know, for me, it was all about legacy. And, you know, the first time I hung out with my coach and really just sat down for a full day going through my whole life. And he just kept asking, why are you doing all this stuff? Like, what, what is all this stuff you're doing you know, ultimately for? And the fact that I'm not monetizing it, which everyone thinks is crazy. And certainly he thought was crazy. And I just kept saying legacy. It's all legacy. It's all legacy. You know, my daughter's going to be able to watch these videos forever. Like she's going to know, you know, all this stuff. And ultimately I came to realization that day um, after about 11 hours of digging through, you know, why was I really doing all this stuff and what, you know, ultimately was the legacy I was trying to leave. Uh, my coach left and he said, Hey, just want you to write what you're thinking for the next 20 minutes. So I'm going to come back. And he came back and he said, all right, read what you wrote at the top of the page. I wrote, what type of legacy am I really leaving? If my daughter's going to have to watch these videos to hear the things I should be telling her in person. And that was a truly pivotal moment for me. And I went from being on the road 238 nights that year to I went, I came home for seven months and uh, created a scenario within our organization. It was a good, it was good timing within our organization as it was a logical time for me to step out of the field and and go more to the management and training side anyways. Um, But, you know, priorities change and, you know, you adjust accordingly, but uh, ultimately I think we had to focus on what makes us happy. Yeah. That, that to me is, is so important. Like there's so many more things that I could be doing so many opportunities that, that I'm turning down so many things that I would love to pursue and opportunity cost that's out there, but I'm just extremely happy where I am right now. And I'm extremely grateful for the life that I have right now. And, uh, and I'm patient. And so, you know, to me, that's what it's all about. So when did you start the the social going all in on social? That was, I believe, January of 17. Yep. So like 26, 27 months ago. Um, yeah. So basically going from being flat broke to 300,000 to 450, realized after that second year that the biggest mistake I had made was not documenting my life. You know, the fact that I don't have a video of me at rock bottom haunts me. Um, but is what it is. The next biggest mistake would be not documenting it moving forward. And to be honest with you, looking back, like, I don't know if I had been documenting, if I would have had the level of success that I would have had, that I would have had, because it probably would have been a distraction during that pivotal, you know, period of time in my life. So, you know, I think everything happens for you. And I think that that's probably why uh, that that happened. But went all in completely all in once I decided to to document my life. And the reason I did that was because I saw this gap on social media. You know, if the average person wanted to go online specifically to social media and learn something to get motivated, to be inspired, they only had two types of people they could go to. The first was the extremely successful, the multi multi-millionaire, which is awesome. But because of their, you know, lifestyle infrastructure, it's just not relatable. 
it's great. Like the Gary V's, the Andy Frisella's, you know, the Ed Milet's, the Tony Rock, like all those people, they're fantastic. You can learn a lot from them, but it's still not relatable. They're like, that's great for right. them. Doesn't <laughs> mean so much for me. Then you had the second type of person on social media that you could go to, which was the person that was completely faking that they were that. And I just didn't see anybody in the middle. Like I just didn't see anybody that was telling the real story that was going out there documenting the good, bad and ugly that was being transparent, that was being vulnerable. And that was talking about the fact that it's insanely difficult. You know, that's the reason why I love Gary and Andy is because they at least talk about back then when it was so difficult and such a struggle growing up, like Andy Frisella, you know, talking about the first six or seven years, didn't make over 700 bucks a month you know, they did over 200 million in revenue the last few years. So I love that they keep up with that narrative, but still where they're at in life now, it's just, it's just hard to relate. Uh, so I wanted to document the whole process in the, you know, with the ambition of one day, obviously wanting to be the, the multi multimillionaire that shouldn't be relatable and having ideally over that time, as I level up and as I level up, be able to have other people level up with me which is great, but at the very least have those people have watched the entire process play out. So when I get to a point where I should not be relatable, I will be because they've either watched the entire thing play out or they can watch the entire thing play out because all this stuff will live on forever. Like they'll be able to go to the Facebook videos from January of 2017. That was like my mom and a random dude from high school and some stranger on not saying anything and super awkward and nothing eloquent. And they'll see the posts that didn't get likes and didn't get shares and didn't get comments. They'll see, you know, the videos of me. I did a lot of live content because I just felt it was the most transparent. You can only fake it so long when you're live. Uh, and I wanted that, that aspect. That's why I built Facebook bigger than Instagram was because I started there. And, you know, the videos of me in the parking lot outside my hotel, going to my hotel room for the 10th night in a row, literally in tears crying because I just wanted to go home. I miss my family. I miss my daughter. I'm like, why did I set this huge goal for myself to be gone for 11 days and to sell these policies? Stupid. And, um, you know, the real stuff um, talking about, you know, my uh, uh, difficulty with alcohol my entire life and quitting drinking 17, 18 months ago, like talking about all, all the stuff um, and in the way and, and in the process, hopefully creating a scenario where people could feel like they really knew me uh, really knew everything about me, knew my intent. And, you know, then later on down the road, when I shouldn't be relatable, they'll be like, Oh, that makes sense. Because look at what, look at, look at all the stuff he's done over the last 20, 30 years that we've been able to watch that we've been able to almost participate in, um, which I truly believe in. Your insurance dudes podcast is sponsored by agency vault, an industry leader in agency coaching, hiring and retaining top talent and sales training with the seven step trusted advisor sales framework. Are you up for the challenge? For $99, you'll get 28 days of access and an opportunity to join our private platinum coaching group. For more information, navigate to www.agencyvault.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the insurance dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.